So again, everyone, uh, welcome. And my name is Shahara Godfrey, and I just want to say thank you for inviting me. I haven't been here for a while. It's very good. So I'm very happy, and I'm very happy to be here. And I find that this place is so moving. Just the feel of it is so healing. It's so beautiful, and there's so much to look at. Oh, my goodness. I can just look for 40 minutes and not see everything. But I want to say a special thanks to all of you, and thank you for inviting me again, and I hope to come again soon. I also teach at East Bay Meditation Center. I offer day-longs as well as lead groups, I also teach day-longs at Spirit Rock as well. So I'm very happy to be here. Tonight's talk is on sewing a quilt of love. And I want to begin immediately. We're going to plunge right down. And each one of us holds a scrap of material in our hearts that as a community will be weaved together through our intentions in effort and loving kindness practice for the benefit of all life, of all beings. And quilts, as you know, is making the process of sewing different kinds of material scraps from layers of fabric which can be used for personal use, gifts, uh, monetary gain, whatever. I know there was an exhibit a while ago, and I can't remember the name of the museum in San Francisco, but it was from a group of uh, African-American women in Bend, Alabama. And um, they were descendants of slaves, and they lived in a community that was very, very poor. And so what they did to make money was to take the scraps of everything that was given to them and make these beautiful, beautiful quilts. And so if you go online and Google it, you'll see all these different ones. And they had different names and they had different styles. And they came from scraps, scraps of things that have been thrown away and people didn't want. And so even though that, Uh, references about those particular quilts. I want us to not just think of the scraps from our heart, but the possibility that we have the potential as a community and as a sangha to make these quilts of love. So as I said, we're going to just dive right down. And how we're going to do that is I'm going to offer you a forgiveness practice for the suffering in the world. There's so much that's happening from the recent stuff with Charlotte's, in Charlottesville to the, um, the, the flooding and the hurricane in Houston and so many lives and so many homes and nature is just in, imbalanced. There's so much destruction and loss. So I offer this forgiveness practice for us to hold because there's so much that we can't do. And how do, we, how do we accept that and accept that 
um, this is the way it is. But in our own way, we might be able to do something. I know Jack Cornfield a few years ago created a forgiveness practice, and then Donald Rothberg added a fourth stanza to the three that is pretty familiar to many people. And then um, I kind of modified it a little bit. So we're going to start with the practice, and then after that I'll continue with the talk. And you're welcome to just sit comfortably and allow your eyes to close if you like, and the breath to be natural. And if you don't want to close your eyes, just find a, a spot to gaze at and let that be where you focus. And sit with ease. And let the body and the mind relax. And feel your connection to the earth. Breathing in gently into your whole body, especially into your heart. And as you're breathing, as much as you can, feel all the barriers that may ha- you've erected and emotions you've carried because you haven't forgiven yourself or others. And let yourself feel the pain of keeping your heart closed. And reflect on a situation. It could be the hurricane in Houston, It can be what happened in Charleston, Charlottesville. It can be any other situations that have a lot of suffering and you might feel helpless or powerless or guilty or just in a very challenging place with it. You may not be aware of all the people or circumstances involved, but there is pain and suffering in this experience, in this life, tragedy, oppression, violence, abuse, war. A list may come to mind. And for this intention, this exercise, only pick one. And when you have it in your mind's eye, allow as much as possible for you to fully experience what that's like for you. It can be walking down the street and passing someone who is homeless. Whatever comes to mind. And here's the phrases. Allow yourself a full breath, just naturally. Inhale, and then exhale. In any way that I have been unable to be with and respond skillfully to the pain and suffering of our world, my own pain and that of others, May I come to accept pain, suffering, confusion, and ignorance to be part of the journey, my own journey, and the journey of others.
I offer forgiveness for the way that things are and have been as much as is possible in this moment. And if I cannot do so in this moment, may I be able to forgive myself in the future. And as you're breathing, Let the body and the mind relax as much as they can. Feel your connection to the earth. Breathe gently into your whole body, especially into your heart. And when you are ready, open your eyes. May you be well. May you find in your heart the tenderness to forgive yourself and situations that continue to cause suffering. And may this path of forgiveness lead to the liberation for all beings, for all life. I find that this particular practice actually comforts me because there's so much that I'm not able to do and it allows the possibility of love to develop and flourish knowing that I have limitations so I want to give you this frame this uh, what is it diagram and we all know this but I'm going to spell it out when we we start with an idea or maybe a thought and then it becomes a concept and then with this concept then we want to move to a place of trying to express it so we have language and through the language we have words and we're creating and thinking about what we're going to say how we're going to say it when we're going to say it. And through that lens, so we start with the concept and the thought that may be intention or wise intention. And then we move to language and conversations in our mind before we speak, which has to do with speech, wise speech. And all of this is being held with effort. What is our effort? The wise effort that we bring to our intention into our speech, into our language, into our conversation. And then we move into action. So anyone can snap their fingers. Why don't you just snap your fingers really quickly for me? I can't, so thank you. See, you can't hear my hand. My point is, that's how fast it happens. So when we're in a conversation with someone, 
That's what, that's what happens constantly. And do we take the time to think about, oh, what am I going to say? Is it wise? Is it timely? Is it going to be helpful? Is it truthful? And we've seen what happened in Charlottesville. We've seen what happened with the president and what he had to say. And the impact of the intention has caused so much harm and reverberation. And this is, a par- this is uh, me paraphrasing the Buddha because when I, uh, with Gay's help, looked this up, this is not exactly his words, but this is the concept of what he was trying to say. Do not believe in anything simply because you've heard it. Do not believe in anything simply because it's spoken and rumored by many. Do not believe in anything simply because it's found written in religious books. Do not believe in anything merely on authority of your teachers and elders. Do not believe in traditions because they have been handed down for many generations, but after observation and analysis, when you find that anything agrees with reason and is conducive to the good and benefit of one and all, then accept it and live up to it. He didn't say that, really. But the idea is this is the intention of how this person interpreted it. And unfortunately, I don't have the reference, so forgive me. But what he's saying here is wise intention in our efforts, in our speech, helps us with our actions. James Baldwin said, I imagine that one of the reasons that people cling to their hate and prejudice so stubbornly is because they sense that once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with their own pain. Now, in September's issue of Lion's Roar, the whole Mag- the whole issue is on limitless love. And the subtitle is How to Generate Love and Compassion for Yourself and Others. And then there's uh, a section that Pema Children and Sylvia Borstein and Jack Hornfield and a few other heavyweights in our tradition speak. And then there's an interview with Sharon Salzberg and Bell Hooks, which is really, really cool. And I just want to read a couple of things from it because it, it speaks to this uh, quilt of love that we're weaving together as a community. Let me see. Okay, the commentator said, no, uh, one of the things, I don't know if it's uh, uh, Bell Hooks who said this or not, but um, it's, we all want to be loved. We all want to love. But many of us are baffled about how to actually bring more love into our lives. How can we start? So that's the question by the commentator. And Sharon Salzberg says, there's a line from an old Steve Carroll movie, Dan in the Real Life. Love is not a feeling. It's an ability. And she said, I wanted to use that in my new book, Real Love, but my editor pushed back and saying, I couldn't really say that because people think of love as a feeling. So I sort of fudged it and wrote, while we might think of love as a feeling, we can also think of it as an ability that turned out to be the most important line in the book. 
So if we think, if we move from love as a noun to love as a verb and move it from a, a construct of just feeling and move it into an ability, then we're inviting ourselves to build a capacity, to build a capacity, you know, like uh, work that muscle, work a muscle that moves into an action and not just, oh, I love you. And Dr. King stressed this so much when he talked about love. And he talked about it through transformation and through agape. So it wasn't just, oh, I love you, but let my actions reflect how deep and profound this love is. And he showed it over and over and over. And the community stood up and showed it. And then the commentator asks, love is a word with so many different meanings and interpretations. How do you define it? And Bell says, love is mostly about the action, not the definition. And she says, drawing on Eric Fromm's work, I see love as a combination of six ingredients, care, commitment, knowledge, responsibility, respect, and trust. And they form a basis for action. So it's not about what you're feeling or how you're defining love. The real question is, what is the action you're taking? So is my intention and my effort and the wise speech that I bring to it, does this reflect the wise action? And is it being manifested as love? Or is there a way that it may be causing harm? And sometimes, even with our actions, we have very, very, very wholesome or good intention. And then the impact lands. And that impact is not what the intention was. And you don't have to have expectations about the outcome. But hope. sometimes we get caught up in but this is what I meant. This is my intention. And the impact and the result is so different. And sometimes that may feel like harm. And Bell says, is it constantly in action or is it something we have to activate? Our innate capacity to love is like a seed in the soil. What do we need to do to activate that need, to make it capable of blossoming. It's not enough just to know that the seed is in the soil. And Sharon says, ah, let me find it. We are loving people. We, with a great capacity to love. Love is not a scarce resource. There's more than enough to go around. So when, as we weave this quilt and we put all these pieces together, we can make more than one quilt. And these quilts are a reflection of our capacity to love. And these quilts are a reflection of our intentions. Let me see if there's anything else I want to add to this. So I found that this article was one of the best, but there's a lot more in there. And Jack says, like many, 
I am heartbroken with sadness over the events in Charlottesville, Virginia, and the rising wave of hate and violence in our culture. While this is part of a long, painful history, I want to understand the current tide of white nationalism and racism so the fear and anger it promotes does not take over my own heart. For with understanding, I can respond with courage, wisdom, and compassion for the benefit of all. And that is wise action. And Maya Angelou says, love recognizes no barriers. It jumps, hurdles, leaps, fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. And I just happened to get, just hear a little bit of the news this morning, the Today Show. And I actually like, is that the Today Show? The one with uh, Charlie Rose and them on? I don't remember. But anyway, I only got a, I heard only a glimpse of it. And I thought about it later and I actually Googled this information. And this is part of, uh, about um, the hurricane in Houston. And the commentator in the, in, the, in the news editorial says, although it is difficult to understand the full extent of damage from the monster storm until floodwaters fully recede, at least 10,000 people have been rescued. More than 30,000 are in shelters, and 20 people are reported dead. And Victoria White, an African-American woman who works as an admission counselor at Sam Houston State University, was in one of the places of where people are staying because they don't have any other places to go. And she belted out a song with a few other evacuees at one point singing a spiritual called Spirit Breakout, which was widely shared on social media, and it had over 6 million hits. So I'm going to just read a little bit of it. And it was written by William McDowell. Spirit Breakout, we need you to break walls down. Oh, Spirit, Spirit Breakout. And we are crying out, heaven come down. Come on, say it one more time, Holy Spirit. Spirit break out. We need you to break our walls down. Oh, Holy Spirit, Spirit break out, oh, Heavenly Father. You're the name we're lifting high. Your glory shaking up the earth and sky. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Come on, if you want to sing, spread your voice in this room. We need the sound of heaven right here in this room. And they broke out into song. And people started clapping, and they, and they did it for about 20 minutes. And church was there. And I think heaven opened its clouds or gateways and say, I hear you. And let's just keep continuing to offer support in any way we can. And that too is wise action. And that too is part of this quilt that's being created. And she offered that freely. And people felt hopeful after listening to that. And Dr. King says, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. 
And Mary Oliver says, instructions for living a life. Pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it. Quieting your mind, opening your heart with loving awareness, these are the critical steps to begin. For without doing so, you will only add to the chaos and fear. And you must bear witness to your own measure of fears and pain and honorably see and feel your place in our shared troubled history. With a wise and caring heart, you can understand the systems of privilege and oppression and your own place in them. So Jack is talking about how do we hold our own suffering? How can we transform that into love? What are, how do our actions reflect our capacity to deepen our love? What are our abilities to love? How is that manifested? An Wong says, the practice of forgiveness is the practice of understanding and compassion. Understanding is the substance of true love and true compassion. If love is in our heart, every thought, word, and action can bring about a miracle. So this quilt that we're weaving doesn't have to just stop here. Whatever community you're in, whatever your circle in, you're in, you bring those seeds and you can plant them and that can become another quilt. So we can have all these beautiful quilts that hold our capacity and our intentions for healing for the world, for all life, for all beings. I remember the first time I heard the fourth stanza of the forgiveness practice. And I think I burst into tears. I was so relieved and moved. There was a way that I could hold my frustration and and feeling helpless and inadequate and saying, okay, this is what I can do right now. And so some of us join movements. Some of us write letters. Some of us don't donate money. Some of us pray. All of those actions, all of those intentions are well received. And don't worry if, they're, if people get it or not, because they do. I remember during the time when I had cancer and I had surgery, I woke up and I had had complications, so I had been unconscious for over three weeks or so and had no memory of anything except what I went into the hospital for. And over that period of time, from opening my eyes to finally coming home, which was about three or four months later, everyone prayed for me, they sang songs for me, they had met cards in different churches. They would have their prayer circles. They had the drum circles. 
my daughter was there every day and held my hand. All of it was received. Everywhere I, everywhere I turned when I was well enough and re- could remember and what people would tell me, there were all kinds of ways that people were sending me well wishes and praying for my well-being. And it helped. And I don't know who they were. Some people I don't know. But it helped. That intention, that effort, those well wishes, that wise speech, those wise actions, all help contribute to building our capacities to love as an ability and not just as a feeling. So there's a couple of things I want to end with. Um, The first one is, now some of us know this song and some of us don't, and I know it sounds a little hokey, but I am not going to sing it, so don't worry about that. But I'm going to read the words to the song. And I was listening to it this morning, and it was an instrumental, but um, some of us know it and some of us know the lyrics, and it's called um, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. And Hal David and Burt Bacharach wrote it, and I remember Dionne Warwick singing it. And she would sing it. And, and you know, it's, it's such a catchy phrase, you would always sing it. But I'm not going to sing it. I'm not a singer. No, honey, don't even, don't even ask me. Nope. But I will read the lyrics, and I want to talk about the lyrics. So the chorus, for many of you who know it, is that what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross. Enough to last until the end of time. And then, of course, there's the chorus again. Lord, we don't need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. There are sunbeams and moonbeams enough to shine. Oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. And not from a place of feeling only, but a place of what is our ability, what are our capacities. And I also saw on the news that uh, one family was being interviewed, and it was an older, elderly African-American family, and their entire house had been flooded. 
and he was bringing some food to someone else, and his wife was saying, so many of us have lost everything. We've lost everything. And he said, but this is what families do. We go out and we feed each other. And Pema Chodron says, the only reason we don't open our hearts and minds to other people is that they trigger confusion in us, that we don't feel brave enough or sane enough to deal with. To the degree that we look clearly and compassionately at ourselves, we feel confident and fearless about looking into someone else's eyes. But how many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to take that risk and say, I see you? And so when I was watching all of the stuff that was happening in Charlottesville, I remember when I was a child in Boston and the hoses and the dogs and the police and and the hatred in, in the meanness in people's voices and the expressions on their face. And I just couldn't figure out, why, why are you so mean? Why, do you, why are you saying these mean things? And, you know, as a child, it's hard to make sense of that kind of stuff because it doesn't make any sense. And I was reading somewhere that someone said that... Uh, In Buddhism, people understand or believe that all people, everyone suffers. And this person was saying, well, from research and statistics, that they say that those who hate like that, that they're not feeling any, any suffering, and that they feel fine and they're happy. And I thought about that for a while, and I was thinking, maybe in how they interpret it, it could be interpreted and understood from that lens that, that could possibly, they could possibly be happy. But I, I, I have a hard time believing that. And I don't say that just as a Buddhist, but just understanding the human condition and that we all suffer and that there's someone somewhere in someone's family who's suffering. So if we can take out the content and understand that there's suffering, I, I just don't hold that one group doesn't understand that. And there's a lot of assumptions that are being made with that. But it gave me a lot to reflect about. So how do we, how do we handle some of the, the hatred in it, as some people call evil, evilness in the world. What do we do? What do we say? Do we want to do anything? Sometimes our fear immobilizes us. Sometimes our fear freezes us so that there's no way to move or know how to move. But know that love transforms everything. Everything. And there's a dear sister friend of mine who's a um, African American lesbian Zen priest, and she wrote this uh, prayer. It's like a meta 
and she called it For All Beings. And I want to go through it because it's very timely. Sometimes I offer it as dedication of merit, but tonight I want to use it as part of, of the lesson that, we're, that I'm teaching tonight, the talk tonight. May all beings, all life, be cared for and loved, be listened to, understood, and acknowledged despite different views, be accepted for who they are in this moment, be afforded patience. This is about our capacity to love. This is about wise action. This is another part of the scraps of material that help create this quilt of love. Be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. Remember Charlottesville. May all beings, all life, be well in its broadest sense. Be led, be fed, be clothed, be treated as if their life is precious. Be held in the eyes of each other as family. Remember Houston. Remember Katrina. May all beings, all life, be appreciated. Feel welcomed anywhere on the planet. In Berkeley, over near Alcatraz, in Adeline, right across from Sweet Adeline's Bakery, there is a, 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 a spot of land a stretch of land, and all these tents are there. And all these tents have people who are homeless living there. And I was sitting there in the bakery today, and I was just looking out outdoors, and I saw this guy walk across the street, and he had this big old bag. And I was like, where is he going? You know how you get curious and you watch people? So he walked over to someone over in that circle, And whatever was in the bag, he offered it to them. May all life, all beings, be freed from acts of hatred and desperation, including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes. May they be appreciated and feel welcomed anywhere on the planet. Live on this planet, housed and protected from harm. And some of us, when we say our metta practice, and the phrases that we use, we say, may I be safe. May I be free. May I be protected from inner and outer harm. And then we extend it to others. May you be safe. May you be protected from inner and outer harm. Be given what is needed to live fully without scarcity. Love is not a scarce resource, as Sharon said. Enjoy life living without fear of one another. 
And what happens when we become fearful? What do we do to ourselves? What do we do to others? It's so easy to other and don't even realize you're doing it. May all beings, all life, be able to speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. Love has the capacity to transform, to heal. And may all beings receive and share the gifts of life, be given time to rest, to be still, and experience silence. May all beings, all life, be awake. So she captures everything. She says everything. It's, it's such a wonderful, wonderful sutta that she created. And you can Google it. And it's, um, it's called For All Beings. And use it and share it and just acknowledge the source. So we have this capacity. We already experience it in some ways in our life with the people we love and the people we care for and the people we take care of and the people we think about. Whether you're a parent or a daughter or a cousin or an auntie or a neighbor, someone is looking out for you. Someone thinks about you. Someone cares about you. So this, this quilt that we are creating is beautiful. It has the rough edges, and it has different colors, and it has different textures, and some people sew better than others, and some have really sweet, beautiful borders, and others are just uh, raggedy with the ends of the strings of the material hanging, and it all is beautiful. So may you be well. May you find in your heart the tenderness to forgive yourself and situations that continue to cause suffering. And may the path of forgiveness lead to liberation for all beings, all life. Thank you for your attention. So I would like to open it for questions and comments and queries and all of that. I was wondering what the fourth um, line of the forgiveness practice is. The fourth line, you mean the four stanzas? Yeah. Well, you can Google this too. But there's one for to forgive ourselves, and there's a stanza. And then there's one uh, for the harm that we have caused others. And then there's one for the harm 
that others have caused us. And this fourth one is very recent. But the other three have been around for quite a while. And uh, I I remember Jack um, introducing them. So others might have different versions of it, but you can Google that as well. And um, use the language of the community that you are in so you can adapt it so that people can hear it from the place that they're in. And when uh, this fourth one when was created, it was amazing. It just allows us or allows me to hold the suffering of the world or the cries of the world, um, the bodhisattva practice, in a way that is doable. <laughs> and it allows me to just be with it and lean in when I can and then pull back a little bit when I'm not able to with forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, Andrew Young spoke a couple of weeks ago and talked about the need to love, to not hate even those white supremacists Mm -hmm. who are economically suffering and experiencing great displacement in their lives. And what was challenging for me was all of my sort of leftist friends were very upset with Andrew Young for saying anything like that. And so there's this, this, this place of challenge that we're being called to love and create quilts of love for certain people, but not for others, including our president, And that's a place of real tension inside of me and I think inside of the community that I'm a part of. And so I heard what you said tonight as an invitation to love without no one being outside of that love. And that's the only way that I can live out Martin Luther King's words, that it's just too great a burden to bear, to hate. It's just too heavy. Um, So that's something I would like to hear you respond to, if you're willing. Bell Hooks, in this article, talks about the challenge of looking at people and loving them. She lives in Appalachia area and there's a lot of hatred that she's experiencing right now. And she asked, do I have the capacity to hold this? Can I love people who are like this? And she says the practice of compassion is a profound practice of a finding space. Can I find a space I can enter with this person who clearly others me, who wants to deny me my humanity? 
And that's one of the key roles of meditation is to find a space where I have the strength to not be shriveled up by inactive aggression that I encounter. And she goes on to say, for me the the alchemical process of meditating, of reflection, allows me not to carry things with me that can paralyze and wound me. Self-care strengthens our capacity to enter into this culture of domination and othering without being constantly wounded. And Sharon says, you've already done the hardest part because you want to reach out to the other. You don't see that as weak or being in collusion with the other's destructive view. That's strength already. That's your innate dignity coming through. It enables you to look at how that person is shriveled up in hell's worlds. And you can see the self-imposed prison they live in, how the choices they made have cut them off. Compassion can flow from there. And that is part of what I hold as well is that sometimes, some days, some moments, some weeks, I don't have it to give. And I'm real clear, don't ask, don't ask my opinion, don't invite me, don't call me. (laughs) Did I forget anything else? (sighs) And then I remember, oh, this is where I am in this moment. In this moment, I don't have expectations that people are going to change. But I can hold the possibility, and in my way of holding compassion, I feel the suffering. There is suffering here. May there be ease in this suffering. And that's what I offer. I'm not trying to have a conversation. I don't want anybody spit me in, spit in my face or call me a name because I might forget everything that I've learned. But in some moments, I, can re- I remember that. And I remember that not just for them, but I remember that for myself. And this is what we want to teach our children. Not to let someone do anything to you, but to step back and say, this is not okay. And I can still love. And I can still hold a place in my heart for the possibility of it being different. Because what else are we doing but trying to make a better world, hopefully, for future generations and all life on this planet and the earth and the trees and the air and the water all life and we all know it's not easy and it's not going to happen in this lifetime but we're planting the seeds for future generations so they know it could be different my grandchildren never thought it was going to there'd be a black president. I never thought I was going to be a black president. And there has been one. So there's possibilities.
Maybe one more or two. Thank you for your comments. There's someone in the back as well. Okay. I just want to thank you sincerely for a really beautiful and timely talk. You're welcome. It was really just moving to the last. Thank you. Um, and uh, just to uh, to build on what the last comment said, uh, you know, finding forgiveness in people who you really don't want to forgive is is you know paramount to our practice. And mm-hmm. uh, it really took me by surprise shortly after the election when uh, it kind of snuck up on me. I had a moment of compassion for our usurper, um, and uh, you know, just realized how much you know fear and pain and suffering were going on behind that facade. Mm-hmm. And I see that in uh, what's going on all over the South. And uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, our our fear is, uh, or our you know, our anger and hatred is always uh, a function of our fear and, and suffering and delusion. And seeing it in that way makes it a little easier. Thank you. And can we hold ourselves with forgiveness, hold ourselves with compassion, when we're not there yet? Yes. Um, I sit with a lot of different teachers, Mm -hmm. and uh, this was the most exquisite pure expression. I mean, one of my main school, they talk about precision and clarity. And this was like this purest expression of your being, and I really felt it. And even on the level, the art of the, your, your capacity to convey it in a talk. Thank you. Thank you. Such a gift. It's this place. <laughs> Thank you so much. Maybe one more, and then we'll do dedication of merit. Um, so I agree with what everyone else has said. And beautiful talk, and thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, but I'm trying to articulate this question at the same time that it's forming in my head, but... Uh, I think when I read Buddhist literature, I read a lot about, you know, uh, kind of detaching yourself from the world and, you know, being at peace with whatever feelings flow through you and just kind of letting it go and being kind of separate from it. So I struggle a lot with this idea of how I can stay compassionate and loving and invested in the world while at the same time being able to step back from it and and see it for what it is. And I don't know if you could maybe comment on that idea. What would happen if you did step back and just say, this is all I can do for now. This is all I can hold for now. Um, and bring kindness to yourself around being in that quandary without judging it or blaming yourself and just saying this is what it is this is how it is in this moment and I really really uh, enjoy compassion phrases of um, there is suffering may there be ease in this suffering 
and that helps hold it in a different way and something may move when it moves and to let go of expectation and judgment and how it's supposed to be and what you heard and what you read and it's this way for right now and to be with that and being in that moment just in that moment with that awareness can be a taste of liberation. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you for your kind attention and your wonderful questions. So, one of my most favoritest, that's a new word, favoritest things to do is dedicate the merit. And I find that dedicating the merit is one of the most moving and awe-inspiring and most humbling and graceful and merciful things you can do. Because what we're doing is we're offering our merit. We're offering whatever it is that we've cultivated here to the well-being of all life, everywhere. And what we forget sometimes, I think, is we're also offering it to ourselves. And so tonight there's two um, requests that we also offer to the people in Texas and Louisiana. And also remembering um, this person's brother, Phil Curry, who passed away recently and whose birthday is September 2nd. So we offer the merit to them as well. So just relax the way you're sitting. You don't have to do anything different. And I always offer the merit with metaphrases. So we're dedicating, we're offering our dedication, any effort, any merit that we have cultivated from the creating of our quilt of love. May these merits, this effort, be extended and offered to the healing and liberation of all life in all direction, without exception. May all life be protected from inner and outer harm. May all life live with ease and well-being. May all life love and be loved. And may all life be free from suffering and its causes and conditions. Thank you for your practice. And if anyone can help put the room back together, it's greatly appreciated. We appreciate all the volunteers and the generosity in their practice.